news. Real kids, real questions. Hi everyone and welcome back to Kids Cues. I'm Kate. And I'm Dylan. And it's really good to have you with us. Today we'll be diving into the topic of pollution in our oceans. And one of the biggest problems is plastics. You may have seen those awful pictures of huge plastic garbage patches floating around out at sea. It's quite sickening really. Yes, it's really devastating. And what's worse is it's choking marine wildlife. And incredibly, plastic has even been found in polar ice. So this is a huge concern for the planet. And the CSIRO, which is the government's leading scientific research agency, are working really hard on a solution. Today we're lucky enough to be speaking with Dr Kamar Schuyler, who's a research scientist and an expert in this field. Dr Schuyler, thanks so much for being on Kids Cues. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Can you tell us a bit about your job at the CSIRO? So I am a marine scientist and I study plastic. And mostly what I study is plastic on land and how, where it is, why it's there, what sorts of factors influence its distribution on land, and then how it moves to the ocean. Well, that's a really interesting job. Today we have some questions uh, for you from the Year Sixes at Averley Primary School in WA. Hi, my name's Ali and I'd like to know how polluted are our oceans and how much plastic is in the ocean? So if we want to know how much plastics are in the ocean, our best estimates currently are based on modelling. So we estimate approximately how much plastic we think is leaking from the land. We might use oceanographic currents. We might use population density to have a best guess. And we think that about 8 million tonnes of plastic or debris enters the ocean every year. So that's a lot. It's really hard to imagine what 8 million tons are. But what you can imagine is that equals about 15 plastic shopping bags full of plastic for every meter of coastline everywhere around the entire world. The thing is that our estimates of how much plastic is in the ocean are much smaller than we estimate as leaking to the ocean. So we think there's hundreds of thousands of tons in the ocean, not millions of tons. 8 million tonnes is a lot. So the question is, where does most of this plastic in the ocean actually come from? We think, and again, this is really based a lot on on our best guess, but we think that most of the plastic in the ocean originates from land. So the typical figure is about 80% of the plastic that goes into the ocean originates from land. So that could be people littering, or it could be mismanaged waste, improper waste disposal systems. And the other 20% we think comes from sea. So fishing gear that's lost or waste that's dumped overboard from ships. So it can be a bit of a guessing game with this topic. But I think the big question is what can actually be done about it? Hi, my name is Charlie and I would like to know how can we clean up the microplastics and rubbish already in our ocean? Just a quick definition of microplastics. Microplastics are very small pieces of plastic, anything less than five millimeters in length. Sometimes they are made as tiny pieces and sometimes they break down from other objects, larger objects. And a lot of what's in the ocean are these microplastics, which makes it really, really, really hard to clean them up. Because if you take a net and drag it through the water, you're going to end up catching not only the plastics, but also plankton, which is super important for life. So 
cleaning up the ocean is really challenging. There are a couple of projects that have attempted it. There are um, some people that, are, that have developed technology to try to clean up in the ocean, but the more effective way to do it is to work before the plastic gets into the ocean. So things like beach cleanups, or even better would be to redesign plastics so that we don't need to use as many of them. So using biodegradable materials or changing our habits so that we're not having as much plastic that can leak into the ocean. It's quite sad that we can't just take a net and scoop all the plastic up. Yes. That'll just make everything so much sense. That would make the that would make the plankton sad. You can't do that, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, and it's a big ocean out there too. Could you give us a rough estimate of how long it takes for the plastic to break down? Plastics are really long lived and that's why they are used so much. So they can persist in the environment for hundreds of years. And some of them break down more quickly into smaller pieces, but essentially even those little building blocks of plastic will be around for a lot longer than you and I will. So what sort of damage is it doing to marine life? Hi, I'm Mia. How many fish and sea animals are estimated to have died from pollution in our oceans? We know that over 1,400 species of marine animals have either eaten or become entangled in plastics. So that's 1,400 species of animals. We also estimate that about 50% of all turtle animals have eaten plastic. And also by the year 2050, we think that 99% of seabird species will have eaten plastic. So we know that plastic is being ingested by lots and lots and lots of different animals. But the question of how many animals have actually been killed by plastic is a surprisingly difficult one to answer. And that's because all plastic isn't the same. Some types of plastic are more harmful to animals than others. And in one recent study, we estimated that if a turtle ate 14 pieces of plastic, it would have a 50% chance of dying. But even one piece is enough to kill an animal. So we know that there's a lot of potential harm, but we don't know how many animals have died. So we know how deadly plastics are to marine life, but what about people? Hi, my name is Aeon, and I would like to know, is the plastic contamination of the oceans having an impact on human health? So generally speaking, people aren't dying from eating plastic like marine wildlife is. I mean, it does happen, but it's not really very common. But we do eat animals that eat plastic. So we eat fish that eat plastic. Normally, we don't eat the stomach or the intestine, which is where the plastics are. So we're probably not ingesting that plastic directly. But we look at whether there are health impacts from eating fish that have been eating plastic. So when plastics are made, they have chemicals in them to make them soft or hard or whatever quality you want. And when plastic floats around in the ocean, it absorbs additional chemicals from the ocean. So both of those types of chemicals may be harmful to human health. We know that chemicals transfer from the plastic to the fish, and we know that chemicals can affect the development of the fish. We don't know whether that impact transfers to the people that eat those fish. All the talk out there that some plastic in fish can be really harmful to humans isn't exactly true. Well, as scientists, we have to take the precautionary principle. We 
know that there's a possibility that there might be harm. And so we want to stop the possibility of that harm. But in terms of demonstrated impact to human health so far, um, I don't know of any research that has indicated that yet. So we're good for now. (laughs) (laughs) We hope, yes. (laughs) You mentioned about cleaning up the ocean and the Year Sixes are hoping you can elaborate on that. My name is Isabella. If we stop polluting today, how long would it take for the oceans to be clean again? These are really, really fantastic questions. There's this disconnect between how much plastic leaks from land and how much plastic is in the ocean. And some of that is that animals might be eating the plastic or the plastic is um, actually going back onto the land. So it's being resuspended, washing up on beaches. So we don't really understand the full cycle of plastics yet. And so we don't know how long it would take for all of that plastic to kind of remove itself from the ocean. We know that the animals could eat it. We know that it might break down and sink into the sediment. We know that it might wash up on beaches. But I can't really give you an answer about how long it would take to clean the ocean. Well, we might not know how long it would take, but we definitely know that we really need action now. Our next question relates to the impact on our reefs. Hi, my name is Blake. Is there a way to halt or reserve the damage done by pollution to the coral reef and can we prevent the Great Barrier Reef from dying? Coral reefs have a lot of different stressors on them. For the reefs close to land, pollution by sedimentation and runoff is a really big stressor. So things like the soil from farms washing into the ocean and bringing nutrients from fertilizers, for example. That pollution is really damaging. As a whole though, probably the biggest threat to coral reefs is from climate change and from ocean warming. So we really need to address climate change if we have any hope of saving the Great Barrier Reef. But because there are so many multiple stressors on the reef, if we stop pollution as well, would definitely make reefs more resilient so that they could cope better with stresses. We need to really address lots of different fronts at the same time to prevent the Great Barrier Reef from dying. Climate change, we hear a lot of that on this podcast. Yes, we (laughs) really do. It just is a factor that really contributes to every environmental problem. This next question is about how to stop pollution. Hi, my name is Rayan. How can we convince people to stop polluting? I guess there are lots of different ways. Um, On an individual level, for me, I think the best way, if you're talking to somebody that's that's a polluter, the best way to just to find out what they care about and explain why pollution might threaten that. So maybe they love turtles and you can explain how plastic pollution is killing turtles. You have to do more than just educate. You have to get people to change their behavior. And we know there are lots of ways to do that. We have laws, we have incentives. And through our research, we found out that economic incentives really work. So in some states, we have a container deposit law where you get money for returning your drink bottles and cans. And in those states, we find that there are fewer drink bottles in the environment because they're worth money. So people take them back to the shop. Another way you can do it is by passing laws that ban single-use plastics. And again, lots of states and local councils are already doing that. And that just cuts back on the amount of plastic that is available to leak into the environment. And finally, I guess it's options. You know, it would be great if stores had plastic-free aisles, if stores had their vegetables not wrapped in plastic. Sometimes 
it's just really hard to do the right thing. I think for a lot of people, it's getting that emotional connection and also having that economic incentive as well. But more, Absolutely. Speci- but more specifically, given it's our future, what role can kids play? Hi, my name is Ella and I would like to know what can children actually do to help? Children have a lot of power if they choose to use it. So we know that some of the most prominent environmental ambassadors of our current time are children. Greta Thunberg, of course, uh, advocates for action to stop climate change. But even here in Australia, we have 11-year-old Molly Steer in Cairns who started the Straw No More campaign, which is having people pledge to stop using plastic straws. So what can you do? You can start simple. Lots of personal action. You can refuse single-use plastics. You can educate others about the problem. But you can also go bigger. You can organize. So Greta's school strike started with just her, just one person, and now it's a global movement. You can also speak to your local council about plans to have bans on single-use plastics. You can fundraise, you can donate money to research and education campaigns. And most importantly, though, I tell this to everybody, children and adults, use what you love to make a difference. So if you're an artist, make art about pollution. If you're a speaker, get out there and talk to people. If you're into technology, make a game or a website. Use your strengths to protect what's important to you. Wow, that's really incredible advice. And can I just say thank you for saying that kids have power? That meant a lot. (laughs) I actually think kids have a bit of an advantage. I completely agree. Dr Skylar, thank you so much for your time here on Kids Cues. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure to talk to you guys. And thanks so much to the Year Sixes at Averley Primary School for your questions. Next week, we're going to continue our discussion on oceans by going to the darkest depths. Creepy. I know. (laughs) We're going to speak to explorers who filmed missions to the furthest reaches of the oceans and their footage has been used for award-winning TV series. Wow, that's going to be amazing. I can't wait for that. Me either. We hope you can join us then for Kids Cues. Well, that's it from us. Until then, bye for now. Kids Cues, brought to you by the West Australian's Ed Magazine and 7West Media Education.